0: Good morning. Good to see you. It's a good day to remind ourselves. We're one church. We meet in multiple locations. Say hello to our Edgewood campus at the Epicenter and the Bel Air campus. Second week at the Arena Club. Big launch last week. It was exciting. Or at least I heard it was. I wasn't there myself, but I uh, got the reports, the updates, a great big day, a lot of people, a lot of excitement and energy, and God is doing a new thing, a new movement in Bel Air. It, and it's time, if you want to be a part of it, if you live up that way, I'd encourage you to connect with this new opportunity, this community forming in Bel Air at the Arena Club. It's an exciting thing. And as we've anticipated that and now brought that to be, we have been talking about another thing that is coming, a new campus that God has opened the door to launch in uh, 2017 and all of that anticipation has been leading to now when i also am not going to tell you (laughs) Uh, no i'm gonna let ben do it watch this video hey mountain this
1: area might look familiar to you right where i'm standing i'm i'm right behind wegmans okay so like panera right there the wise right next door uh, Old Navy, Pennies, you guys got the picture, right? In fact, this place is hopping. There's like people everywhere. Cars flying by, 924, 24, 95, neighborhoods, families. In fact, it's the densest part of Harford County. In fact, there's like 40,000 people that live just within spitting distance right around me. I could hit most of their houses with a golf ball and a nine iron. But here's the thing you might not know is that about 35,000 people in this immediate area don't go to any church. Don't you think someone should do something about that? Well, you know, we've been talking about unleashing love at Mountain for a while now, here, there, and everywhere. And one of the key ways we feel called to do that is by launching new campuses. And that's why I'm standing here. Right smack dab in the center of Abingdon Because we've been looking for like two years We've looked at over 40 properties And we believe God has led us here to this place Right here in Abingdon So God willing, fall of 2017 y'all Mountain's going to launch a new campus Right here in Abingdon I'm so stoked, I can't wait Why don't you come on in and have a look around I gotta warn you, it's a little bit of a mess right now But we're working on it these are the doors right here. All kinds of people will be pouring through those doors. And this is our like our commons, our lobby area. All these walls will get knocked out into a big, beautiful space where people can connect with each other, with ministry, with God. You know, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. And that means that this area where we are right now... God's going to show up in a very special way. This is our worship area, okay? So stage here, all those walls go away, and this area will just be filled with people. The screen will be here as a way of showing the words and the preaching, and uh, this is the place where God's Word will go out and convict people, and we'll sing our hearts out and surrender to Jesus. This is going to be an amazing space right here. So right here is Mountain Kids Central. This is the place where, like right here, there'll be a desk for check-in and parents will be checking in and then bringing their kids. Here's a hallway right here. it will go back to a whole bunch of cool, nice fitted-out spaces for kids, where all the little ankle biters will be. And the parents and the kids will be all over this place, dropping their kids off. And they're like, I'm free. I get to go to church without my kids. So that gives you a little taste of the space here. And obviously we got a little work to do on these plans and pull it all together. But actually, we've all got a bunch of work to do because we cannot do this without everyone at Mountain's help. So please, pray for every aspect of the project. Pray for people who don't have any idea yet that their lives are going to be radically changed by Jesus because of what happens here. And then pray for your part too. Pray that God will make it clear what your part is going to be. We need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from Mountain who will say, I want to get in on the ground floor of what God's going to do here, to serve and to be here and to bring your friends and make this thing happen. So let's all pray our guts out and then just get ready. Look out, y'all, because a whole bunch of love is about ready to be unleashed in Abingdon 2017. Let's do this.
0: All right, let's do it. Let's do this. And a lot of you, you're going to want to check it out. A couple of things you need to know right now. I think we've got a slide with some information about social media ways to stay informed and be praying about this development, looking toward uh, the fall of this year. And then the town hall gatherings that we've talked about, they're in your worship program, three identical dates, uh, the times and places are there, there's child care. So everyone has an opportunity to catch the vision, get to one of those and see where God might be calling you to jump in and engage with this. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that live in Abingdon, a whole bunch of them, people you know. People whom God loves, and we're hoping that more and more people would get caught up, would find a place to connect with Jesus and to this new community that's going to be built. Uh, we're doing it, we're unleashing love. We do it because everybody matters, right? Everybody matters. That's a core truth of the Bible that we celebrate. And we're actually in a series where we're, uh, we're nuancing that a little bit, uh, accenting a little bit different that phrase, Everybody matters. Everybody matters to God. We all have a body. Uh, we only get one, and God wants us to steward it well, to care for it so, that it, so that we might live to the fullest, that we might be useful for God's good purposes. And so, in these last few weeks, we've been talking about health, holistic health, health in the fullest and truest sense of the word, not health just like whiter teeth or bigger biceps or smaller waist or whatever the magazines tell you you gotta have, not that any of those things are bad, but we're not just chasing the latest diet fad or trying to get a beach body for the summer, we're trying to hear from God. Try to hear from the invisible God who came in the flesh, the God who heals people physically and spiritually, the God who gave sight to the blind both figuratively and literally, the God who calls us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, this God whose word holds sway in every dimension of our lives. When the Bible calls us to full devotion to Christ, it's a call to wholeness to health and the fullness of life in every dimension. We are complex, integrated beings, not compartmentalized robots. And so in this series, we're bringing our our whole lives, our whole selves to listen to the whole of God's word. And that's going to have implications for practical things like how we eat, sleep, think, move, and connect in relationships. One of the ways we're trying to anchor this more deeply so that it's not just this nice set of teachings at church, but it's something that we actually take on with our whole lives is through the Whole Life Challenge. We've been talking about it, and let me say a little bit more so you understand what it's about. Now, there is a cost to it, just so you know. There's a, a tool, a service that you pay for, but the church has invested and made arrangements for mountain people to get a special rate. You do it for $26 as opposed to 49 if you went on and tried to do it on your own. And as we've said, there's scholarships available for whom, for people for whom that'd be a barrier. um, There's opportunity to still get in. There's no full scholarships so that everyone has some skin in the game, but a very low threshold so that all of us can do this together. Uh, Let me tell you why I like it. All right. Number one, it's simple. Now it's not easy. I didn't say it was easy. Most things worthwhile are not, but it is simple. It's not a complicated new diet regimen or workout thing. I like it because wherever you're at in terms of health, This challenge is for you. The challenge is scaled to be challenging for anybody, whether you're a a weightlifter or you're carrying too much weight around the midsection. One of your goals might be to lose weight. It's not one of my goals. But each of us would be challenged and would reap good, but maybe different benefits from taking this challenge. Right? And number three, it's fun. It's a game. So everything that comes with that, the motivation, accountability, the community, the healthy competition, so here's, here's what it is, okay? You can explore more of it yourself, but here's what it is in a nutshell. The Whole Life Challenge is going to hold out seven practices to anyone who wants to be healthy and say, try these. Work these things into your daily life and see if you notice a difference. Okay? Seven practices, here they are, Okay. Nutrition, eat. Think about what you eat. Uh, There's three uh, paths, three levels of intensity that you can choose. And it's not, again, it's not very complex. It's just basically a list of things. Say no to these and say yes to these. Try to do that. Some days you'll fare better than others. Try again. Uh, Exercise, 10 minutes of vigorous activity for you, not for anybody else, for you throughout the day. Mobilize, stretch your muscles. Find 10 minutes throughout the day to elongate your muscles throughout this process. Uh, get Get an amount of sleep that is restful for you. How many hours is that? You decide, and then you try to get that. Drink an amount of water that is, again, scaled to you. Every week will be introduced with a new lifestyle practice to try. Things like meditation, journaling, encouraging others. Things that, well, I guess you could do those things, devoid of uh, focus on Christ. But, But Jesus followers want to invite Jesus to be at the center of those practices. And then reflect. Pay attention. Notice what is happening. It's a great discipline for disciples of Jesus. Take note of how God is at work in your life. That's the whole life challenge. So, you know, try these things for a period of eight weeks. Okay? Some days, you'll do them all. Uh, some days, you know, you'll, you'll have to stay out late. Uh, some days, you'll go to your friend's wedding, and you'll just eat whatever you want. Uh, some days, you'll forget your water bottle. But regroup, try again the next day. Let the competition motivate you. Let the desire to be healthy motivate you. Let Christ, who wants you to be full of life and fit for every good work, motivates you, offer your whole life to the Lord. If you want to do it, you go to the mountain webpage, mountaincc.org slash series. Uh, Starts May 20th. Did you catch that? Saturday. Starts Saturday. It's a worldwide thing. It's not just a mountain thing. We're jumping in together as a church. Sign up, select your campus. Hundreds of people have already done that. Starts this Saturday, May 20th. All right, are you in? Oh, wow, four of us, here we go. <laughs> yeah, look out world. All right, well, gener- find another way to generate some excitement this week and, and do it. Talking about the integration of our whole lives, that's a good way to lead into our topic for today. We're talking today about our minds and how we think. Oh, good, we're not talking about diet and exercise. Oh, we can relax a little bit, good. No, the mind which is a terrible thing to waste, as the old slogan goes. Uh, we're going to keep a sharp mind. It, it reminds me of Ed. He was in his retirement years, kind of a curmudgeon and blunt guy, but real quick-minded and witty. He got a job at a local hardware store just for something to do, but very early on, his uh, quips and kind of gruff attitude resulted in some complaints from the customers, and that got back to the manager. And before you know it, Ed is on thin ice at his new job with the manager. One day, somebody comes in and asks Ed for half a joint of stovepipe. So Ed goes in the back, he grumbles to the manager, some old fart idiot out there wants half a joint of stovepipe. He turns around to discover that the man had followed him into the back room. <laughs> At which point he quickly said to his manager, and this fine gentleman wants to buy the other half. <laughs> See? Sharp. Sharp mind. It's a critical part of health. Our minds have a mind that is healthy, thoughts that are healthy. I was teaching our middle school and high school students recently, and I was trying to impress upon them the connection between how we think and how we act. It's something that the Bible teaches in places like um, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is trying to teach the church what is Christ-like living. And he says there in chapter 4, you were taught about your former way of life to put off your old self. It's being corrupted by deceitful desires. And be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self that was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's going to mean some things. It means you stop being false. You be truthful to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. And you're going to get angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and let the devil get a foothold. You've been stealing. Stop stealing. Go to work, do something useful with your hands, and do the opposite of stealing. Earn something to share with people who have need. A new attitude in the mind manifests new actions in the body. When the Bible talks about the mind and the condition of it, strengthening it, making it healthy, it has in view this connection with how we act. developing the mind is not just about puffing up with knowledge so that we can get smarter for its own sake. No, it should be connected with how we live. Jesus summed that up one time when after teaching his disciples, he said to them, now that you know these things, what? You'll be blessed if you do them. There's a connection there. But there's also a difference between thoughts and actions. Actions are observable, thoughts are not. The activity of the body plays out publicly while the activity of the mind is cloistered away. Now, I I know there are some wives in the room thinking, trust me, I can tell what my husband is thinking. All right. I, yeah. But you know what I mean, right? The Bible's teaching here challenges us, I think. I know it challenges me. I think most of us would say that our the, the world of our minds is private property. It's private property. That's why we get so freaked out by big brother type conspiracies that would suggest that someone's intruding so far into your life that they might even be reading your thoughts. What I think is mine to think. Now, I could put to ink the things I think, or tell a shrink when I can't sleep a wink, buy you a drink, toast the clink, give you a penny to hear what you think. Do our minds sink? Are we on the brink of making a link? Or do I think what you think stinks? We could talk it out and see what we think, or keep to ourselves and just drink our drinks. Because what we think is ours to think. That is what I think we think. Okay? <laughs> that... We we read Dr. Seuss at my house. <laughs> we think nobody gets to see what's hidden up here, uh, unless, of course, I choose to unveil it. That nobody knows how healthy or unhealthy I might be in the arena of our minds. In fact, we might even be tempted to think that the activity of the mind has no bearing whatsoever on health. It's just a private sphere. Is that true? If we think so, then I'm not sure that we've considered this from every perspective, because the Bible introduces us to Jesus, and if we're going to accept Jesus on his terms, and we have to reckon with the fact that Jesus uh, introduces himself to the church in Revelation, he says, I am he who searches hearts and minds. The psalm writer knew that. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts. Before a word is even formed on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. From reading the Bible, we understand that our words are not like God's word, which Hebrews says is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It, It Even it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Go you one further, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I'll be honest, I'm not sure how seriously I take that. When I consider all of the things that float through my mind, more than that, the things that I put up a shelter for and say, come in here and stay a while, I'm not sure I actually actually believe that everything in all creation is laid bare before God. In fact, I seem to live most of my life convincing myself, no, that's not true, focusing instead on the actions, what's observable by other people and trying to perform well. Here's my problem. Maybe it's yours too. God judges my thoughts. I often don't. There's more to health than what meets the eye. There's another way in which I think that the Bible uh, challenges our thinking. Let me try this, okay? Uh, this is, let's say this is our mind, okay? And our minds are, are full, well, some of them, all right? Our mind is full with all kind of thoughts and attitudes and perspectives that have led to opinions and beliefs and values and theories and all of that. It's all in there, right? I'm not saying anything uh, profound here other than all of that stuff fills our mind, right? And here's the way that I believe many of us are tempted to think that God fits into our minds. Or, said another way, this is when we think about the decision to follow Jesus, I think many of us think that it looks like this it's just another idea piled in with all the rest, a, a mental acknowledgement of, of a concept or of something that seemed plausible enough to allow it into our minds. Sure, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. Something that's probably a good idea to have in your basket, so you're told, if you want to get to heaven someday. As if God is like a grocery store clerk at the checkout line there in heaven, scanning our basket to see if that item is in there. Many of us have been duped into believing that this is the kind of presence that God wants to have in our lives. Just one idea that doesn't necessarily have any influence over any other idea or thought or value that also flows into our mind. Nor does it have the ability to regulate any new thoughts that are constantly flowing in. In fact, it just kind of gets buried under the onslaught of information and idea. Now, sure, we might, you know, we might throw another Jesus thought in there every once in a while. But again, they don't really have any ability to influence the whole of our minds or the whole of our lives. This might be a popular way of thinking, and it's certainly a comfortable one, because it doesn't really demand much of us when we think about allowing God into our lives. But is it a true way of understanding reality? Is it a healthy way? Does it rightly describe God's call on our lives and what he wants to do in our mind? Well, the Bible says no. So let me show something else that I think might suggest something better about the way in which God wants to make his presence known in our lives. When we say yes to following Jesus, I think it might look more like this. Okay, so sure, our minds are filled with lots of thoughts, and there's constantly more things flowing in all the time, right? But when Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't come in in some sort of uninfluential kind of way. Rather, when we let Jesus into our lives and our minds, I think it looks more like this. changes the character of our minds and our lives. And the more that you do to work more of him into more of you, he begins to recolor every thought, Every attitude, every belief, every value changes a perspective. Every neuron of brain activity becomes devoted to him. And as you invite more of him in, the intensity of his influence begins to grow and expand to the point that even when new thoughts enter into the brain, they are subject To his influence, because we have the attitude, like Paul says, we don't operate like the world does. Rather, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the more that God's word is digested, and faith is tried, and self is surrendered, the Lord who searches our innermost parts has his way in our mind and gradually transforms our mind. This is the kind of presence that God wants to have in our minds and our life. And this is the kind of impact that God will make if we allow him, if we understand that our minds are not private property to God. If we take the Bible seriously when it says to us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. True health is when the life, the mind, the will is united with God's will, aligned with God's will. And that comes through the renewal of our minds. How have you been inviting God to fit into your life? Which way have you been trusting would make you healthy? Would make your mind healthy? Are you ready to commit to the renewal of your mind? True health depends on you saying yes. We we have said that our, our mind is connected to our actions. Our minds are public property to God. And our mind's renewal is critical to hell. Let me do one more conceptual thing and then get to some practical stuff. Okay, This whole series is driven by the fact that we are integrated beings, Okay, calling our attention to places in Scripture that highlight the interplay and the connection between thought, will, emotion, mind, body, spirit, all that we are. And there's some good teaching in Romans chapter 8. It's similar to other things that we've looked at. It helps us understand the role of our minds in following Jesus. It says there, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That could be lost to say, but let's notice this: your mind is governed, and is a governor. Your mind is governed and is a governor. The mind was designed by God to be governed by God's Spirit. It's not left to its own devices to decide what's true, what's right, good, healthy, beautiful. No, no, no. God's Spirit himself instructs our minds in those things. There is one thing that you should allow to take over your minds, and that's God's Spirit. To be truly human is to be governed by God's Spirit. To be governed by the body and all of its desires is to be an animal. When our urges and appetites dictate our decisions, then we have entered onto a path that leads to death. The mind was designed to be governed by God's spirit and to govern our appetites and the actions of our body. Health lies in maintaining that hierarchy. If you've ever um, worked towards something hard, you set a difficult goal and you strive to achieve it, maybe you motivated yourself along the way with mind over matter. Okay? Yes, that is exactly what it takes to be healthy. Mind over matter, mind over feeling, and spirit over mind, spirit shaping our understanding of health, shaping the goals that we set, shaping our assessment of ourselves. And mind disciplining our bodies and focusing our energy to go where God is calling us. That that understanding is going to be so critical to this journey of health that I hope more and more of us are going to embark on. Mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it's a tragic thing to ignore in the pursuit of health and the fullness of life. So what does it look like, Uh, just practically speaking? How do we get healthy? In the arena of our minds. And how can our minds propel us to greater health overall? Seems like two words might be uh, worth focusing on. Key words for us to finish with. uh, Filter and focus. Filter and focus. Uh, Put it like this. We've got to set up a government filter for our minds. Remembering, of course, who it is that is governing. Governing. There are so many people uh, pumping iron at the gym or reading Shape magazine, pursuing health without any kind of influence from God's Spirit. But if Jesus is who he says he is, then we know that true health is not available without the Spirit-led renewal of the mind. God judges our thoughts, and so must we. You know, another appropriate image for our minds, for some of us, might be to, like, this is a wastebasket. And there's so much garbage just pouring in all the time. Garbage, garbage, garbage being poured in. No filters. No filters have been set up to check the onslaught of media. Everything provocative and deceitful and inflammatory and cynical and bombastic and numbing is just piled in. No boundaries around gossip or criticism or belly aching, as my dad would say. You know, we flooded our minds with opinions, barrages of opinions on whether or not our government should build a wall. Our governor needs to build some walls in our mind. A friend of mine told me the other day, he said, I quit listening to sports talk radio during my commute. Just had me so balled up by the time I got home. Replaced it with audio books or Christian music. I have uh, software on my computer and my phone called Covenant Eyes. It monitors everything that I access on the internet and reports it to trusted friends. I told a counselor once, I, just, I feel so stupid that I have to have that. And he said, it's part of pursuing righteousness. And he's right. Boundaries have to be set with phones and apps. Look, software engineers are, uh, they know how your brain works. And they are writing apps to hook you. They understand that. They're going to get better and better at it. We have to be aware. Observe the impact that this thing has. Sure, it can be used for lots of good. But uh, observe your anxiety level when you don't have it. Ask how it's affecting your focus. Ask if it is driving you toward meaningful relationships with other people or away from. Uh, Filter. That all of the things that come through, all of the images and messages, everything that comes through this screen, filter out what doesn't belong, what is uh, sapping life, taking away from life, what is impure. Fast in intentional ways from this thing just to show it who's boss. Health and the renewal of our minds demands those things. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is thousands of years old has implications for menial but meaningful things like that. It just does. Now I realize too as we're talking and we're thinking, some of us, about health and the renewal of our minds, maybe some of us understand that that's something that we can't do on our own. Anxiety. Depression, mental illness. Yes, those are things that can be helped when the mind is governed by God's Spirit. And yes, they can be helped through medication. And yes, can be helped through the counsel of professionals who can come alongside and advise about how to manage and move forward. And yes, those things can be helped by making more of your mind public property to trusted, trusted and wise friends. So that's part of your journey and your wrestling. May God prompt you to get the help that you need. And may God help you focus. Focus. Set some goals. And focus on those goals. That's one of the things, one of the benefits of the Whole Life Challenge. It's going to lead us to set goals. It's also going to inspire more mindfulness and reflection. Now, when you set goals... Do that first by engaging in a vertical, you and God dialogue. Okay, don't, don't be looking sideways to figure out whatever anybody else's goals are. You engage God to find out what is healthy for you. How is God calling you to trust him with your health? Now, not that you can't ask a, a friend or a mentor or a nutritionist to weigh in, but only insofar as they help you in discerning God's voice to set those goals. And then, yes, look horizontally to gather some friends for the support and accountability uh, and the enjoyment that comes from that, so that that can help you focus, that that can help you uh, have your mind over your flesh and stay focused on those goals. Or if you want to look, know what to focus on, you can always Google it, all right? I I happened to do that this week. Huffington Post article caught my attention, Seven Ways to Train Your Brain to Be Happy. You're never going to believe the things that it said. Aerobic exercise, journaling positive experiences, random acts of kindness, periodic unplugs, purposeful energizing work or activity, meditation, and seven, practicing gratitude. I guess we are integrated beings after all, aren't we? Mind, body, action, it's all connected. And the article wasn't written from a Jesus perspective. But isn't it amazing how all of those things are so relevant for the person that is being renewed by Christ? Last two things in particular are worth accenting. Gratitude. Focus here. Yes, the renewal of our minds demands that we block out some things. In the void, fill it with gratitude. That connects us to God is we don't just get lost in the hustle of the day or, or taken down by the negativity that surrounds us, but rather we focus, we discipline ourselves to focus on gratitude, to reflect on the things that God has provided. Uh, put something in your calendar to look back on a week and write down three to five things that you're thankful for. Put a notepad by your bedside. Wake up in the morning, start it with a word of thanks. Focus on gratitude. Fill your mind. With gratitude, and then finally meditation. When, when a lot of us think of meditation, we probably go, "Oh, that's some eastern, eastern idea." Uh, maybe it spooks us a little bit. No, meditation. Meditation is a practice whose full benefit is realized when it is directed by God's Spirit and informed by God's Word. That's how meditation. That's how God uh, uses meditation to draw us closer into relationship with Him. Which is a good reminder that the fundamentals of Bible reading and prayer are integral to any health plan. Like the words of Paul to the church in Philippi, and may these be God's word for our church today, when the Bible says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yes, think about those things. Focus on those things. And let us commit to the renewal of our minds, governed by God's Spirit, and disciplining our bodies to be resilient in the journey toward health. Let's pray. God, thank you for how your word instructs and for all the things that you teach us, for the ways that you convict our minds and our hearts when we open ourselves to your influence. God, we do that now, and we ask you to to enter in, not in a compartmentalized way to just certain areas of our lives, but into our whole lives have your way among us, transform us, renew us from the inside out. We will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.